This podcast is intended for mature audiences ages 18 and over. The podcast represents the opinions of me and my guests, and the content here should not be taken as medical advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only, so please consult your healthcare professional for any medical or mental health questions. We discuss topics of sex, sexuality, and relationship dynamics associated with ethical non-monogamy. Not your cup of tea? No worries. There are tons of other podcasts to choose from. Piqued your interest? Awesome. Welcome to Swing On By. Welcome to the first full episode of Swing On By. If you listen to the trailer, then you already know that one of the goals of this podcast is to share unique voices and perspectives in the ethical non-monogamy community. And one of the things I am not is a man. So I want to make sure that I'm sharing the voices and lived experiences of bisexual ENM men. And that's very important to me. Now, the way we're planning on doing this is by having recurring guest hosts who identify as men, and I'm so excited to get to introduce you to my very first guest host, Nico, to you today. Nico and I have not known each other very long. We met when I put out an ad in uh, a couple Reddit groups looking for guests and guest hosts, and he responded. And I'm so glad that he did respond because he is just such a breadth of experience in the E&M community, and I think his perspective will really be a welcome addition to the conversation. Also, just want to note that after we recorded, we realized that Nico's podcast mic wasn't on, so his sound quality isn't the greatest, but I hope you'll bear with us as we're still trying to figure things out on our end. Also, if you're interested in being a recurring guest host for a few episodes here and there, head to swingonby.com forward slash guest. That is swingonby.com forward slash guest. Okay, let's go meet Nico. Hey, Nico, my brand new friend. It's so good to talk to you again. I'm very excited about this episode. I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I would love to start by you introducing yourself a little bit. And let's start with what your pronouns are. Let's start there. For a little while, that it got confusing, but uh, uh, he, him are, is, is basically what I go by. Okay, perfect. And can you tell our audience one thing that you would like us to know about you? One thing that I think the audience needs to know is a lot of the stuff that uh, I'm going to be talking about, about myself, my journey started a long time ago. Um, so by no means is my journey the correct way to go about stuff. Literally, if I had started like two years, three years later, the lexicon in everyone's common day-to-day vocabulary just dramatically shifted. Mm. When I made all the decisions that I made, it was very much... Anything related to doing anything with guys was always mocked or, you know, uh, talked down about. And, and just even like the common language that everyone used at the time. So it was a, a very hard decision. But there's also, I feel like the moment that started going away, the amount of information available to everyone kind of increased dramatically. Like yeah. overnight, I made a lot of the decisions that I made in kind of a vacuum. And so, you know, when I talk to other bisexual men and stuff like that, I I get the feeling like they're like, I'm talking with authority about this stuff and that they should listen to what I have to say. And that's not the case exactly. I just, I feel a conviction about the decisions that I made back then. And by no means do I agree that they were all 100% correct. 
Mm-hmm. So well, and like, that's a yeah. that's a we live and learn kind of thing too, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and we're we're talking more than fifteen years ago uh, right. for a lot of these decisions. Things have drastically changed since then. You know, we'll get into all of all of that over the course of this and probably many other episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if there's just one thing to know is that like I have the part of my career that I speak with authority about things. It does not mean that I am infallible in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Thank so. you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I said something similar in our trailer episode, the episode before this one, about the fact that we're all learning together and we're all growing together. We may, may not get everything right. However, our goal, um, and I think we'll talk about this in a little bit, but our goal for this podcast is really to start conversations and to continue learning and continue growing in terms of it. I think we're both on the same page when it comes to like, we're not the perfect authority on any of this. We are just the two people that are having the conversation and bringing other people into the conversation to have it with us. Yes, very much. You know, I enjoy these types of conversations in general. So I like talking to other people in the lifestyle or they're uh, bisexuals and just getting to know who they are um, mm-hmm. is, is very much something I do almost at a subconscious level uh, when cruising online and just see somebody I'm like, I want to talk to that person. And that's kind of what led you to the podcast and uh, the, I guess it was a Reddit post that I put up about looking for a co-host. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I know you had a few friends in the world of E&M that sent this post to you and were like, you need to be a part of this. So how did you end up here? It's my question, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't think they they mind me advertising for them a little bit, but um, there's a, a group called the Top Shelf Men. And it's a, a group of male swingers who have kind of gathered together to try and just improve themselves within their own relationships. And I thought that was a really great idea, mainly because, you know, your relationship with your partner, especially when swinging is paramount, you have to maintain that. You have to be on top of things. You have to make sure that your relationship's stable and, and things are working. And so uh, I joined this group a couple of years ago. I've been a big contributor to what they've been doing. They are always, uh, you know, constantly on the lookout for different things. And they just kind of posted your Reddit post as a, hey, look at this. Somebody's looking for somebody to talk to. And over the course of several years, we found that most of the guys in the group are actually bisexual or hetero flexible in terms of how they engage with other people. And so the guy who runs the thing posted the Reddit post that you had sent out, I immediately saw it and was jumped into it and read what you had. And I thought I would put my hat in the ring. I like, I've been on several other podcasts as a co-host, so I know the amount of effort it takes. And I, I just don't have the availability to do that. Being a co-host seems to be easier and, and fit with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I want to get back to the community in some way. Um, I have a, a wide breadth of experiences. So I thought I'd throw my hat in the ring and you agreed. Well, yes. And I'm really glad you threw your hat in the ring because I think from our initial conversation, like, number one, I love the fact that you have the experience that you have and not just the lifestyle experience, but also the life experience in terms of you're really honest with the fact that there are things that you got wrong in the beginning or things that you would want to change. And I think that also, your ties to the community are going to be really supportive in terms of the conversations that we're going to have. So I'm excited and thank you for being here. I want to dive in now to a little bit more about 
you and your own lifestyle journey. So can you start by sharing kind of your current relationship status and what your E&M dynamic is? Uh, my current relationship status is that uh, my partner and my wife, uh, we've been married for over seven years. We've been together longer than that. Our agreement is, is that we have an open marriage. At first, the dynamic was that I go solo, I meet people, and then she always wants to meet them after that, which is definitely not the norm <laughs> in, in the community at all. And uh, very untrusted by most people. And that has persisted. Our dynamic has shifted considerably since we first got together. When we first met, I was already dating a guy uh, when she met me. Um, so it was kind of already established that I date multiple people. Mm -hmm. And that kind of carried on through our, our marriage. And she's been very encouraging for me to go out and meet other people. In terms of our dynamic, she has dropped off from engaging with lifestyle entirely. But she's also been probably my biggest cheerleader when it comes to me finding other people to be with. And that's that's unusual. <laughs> it's <laughs> <Quite>. very unusual. <laughs> yeah. The dynamic is, is that I'm I'm pan or bisexual, whatever label you want to give me. And then she is... Let me just say she's like two feet in the door of being accepted into the LGBTQA plus community, but her heels on the threshold. So she's like mm -hmm. on the cusp and I'm going to let her have that journey and I'll support her with whatever she's doing. It's been an interesting road for the both of us. I'm constantly there to support her. She's been very supportive of me. So I feel like doubly inclined to make sure everything works out for her. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of have that relationship where wherever things take us, we could be there for each other. That's one thing that is really hard to purvey when you're in <laughs> I'm solo, but I'm, I'm married. People tend to make their own conclusions about what that means. I, and I agree with that. And I think, I think that can be especially hard for men from what I've seen, basically, because the belief immediately is that you're cheating on your spouse, right? Instead of no, this was a conversation that my spouse and I had over probably multiple conversations. And this is what we decided works best for both of us and works for our relationship dynamic. So I definitely see that that would be, would be difficult. And even in terms of clubs and those sorts of things, all single men are put into kind of the same category. However, there's probably different dynamics in how those single men are approaching E&M, the lifestyle, all of those things. And people don't see that from the outside. Or they, they come in with a very specific like expectation, right? Mm -hmm. I get usually the majority of the messages I see online from people are uh, either believing that I'm looking for a cuckold situation with mm -hmm. another guy uh, or I'm looking for or, or I am cheating. It's just assumed. And right. it's from other guys who are in the lifestyle who are cheating. Every season, I get like one day where I just get a bunch of messages. And that was actually last week on Wednesday. I don't know what the, the pattern, but uh, <laughs> but it was just a, a bunch of guys who were trying to cheat on their wives who just decided that now's the time. And it's like, mm -hmm. I'm not interested in that. So yeah. do you, outside of your marriage, do you exclusively date only men or is it men and women? She's more comfortable if I'm dating couples. Okay. That's been primarily where my focus has been. That type of relationship with another couple has been, you know, it, it could be a lot of things. I'm, I'm, I'm a versatile switch. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like I could basically be anything. And if there's one thing that uh, I really need is like a couple to know what they want before engaging with me. 
yeah. uh, because I, I could fit into just about any role that they want. And so, you know, I've been in a situation where I'm just with the wife, but the husband's present. That's fine. Um, and I've also been, you know, with both of them. And, you know, I've also just been with the husband. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's been one of those situations where it's like, okay, as things have progressed, I really have been focusing on, okay, who are those couples who know what they want when they interact with me? Because right. when I was younger, too many times I would start engaging with a couple and they're like, well, do your thing. Should I be talking to him? Should I be talking to her? Should I be engaging with both? What, what What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then it just ends up being a waste of time. Yeah. And, uh, especially in the swinger community. It's like a now or never kind of situation where are you available now? Okay, let's do this now. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, what are we doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, and also that opens up the door for miscommunication. A lot of times if it's like, oh, just whatever. But almost every time somebody already has an idea in their minds of how they want the evening or the day to go, you know, that that opportunity to go. So, yeah, saying do whatever isn't really supportive of getting what you want. (laughs) I I almost prefer the couples who are like, okay, here's our list that we've developed. It's like two pages long. Here you go. Follow these guidelines and we're going to be good. I'm like, that's great. You know what you want. Yeah. (laughs) That's almost... (laughs) <laughs> then I'm like, okay, I know they're good. That's all I need to see. I don't need to see that really. But you know, it's I've had couples do that before. I'm like, oh wow, okay, great. That's yeah. perfect. <laughs> no, that that's you know, that's super helpful. And it's funny because my husband and I last night actually we were watching porn and we were watching an MFM and we've never had an MFM before, but we're like gearing up for our first one. It was like exactly how we'd want it to go in terms of like positions and those sorts of things. And I was like, maybe we'll just send the guy this video and be like, this is what we want (laughs) as, you know, as a a way to to explain it. (laughs) Yeah. And and I feel like that is way better. I mean, especially if you're dealing with a a bisexual male who Mm -hmm. could be a top bottom verse, whatever. And then that's a good confirmation uh, of whether or not everybody's on board because yeah. uh, one one thing that really doesn't work is getting somebody in the room and then being like, well, your dynamic is just off. We really wanted things this way and it doesn't always happen to me, but I've known guys who are exclusively tops or bottoms and then they show up and the couple wanted the opposite. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, they didn't make that clear. It's just something that needs to be done. And there's also a lot of guys who who say that they're, you know, bisexual, but are more heteroflexible, where it's like they'll play with another guy. The equipment can touch, mm-hmm. um, but that's their being bi. And it's like, well, there's a lot more potential there that could happen, right? So it, it kind of needs to be a little bit clearer when, when engaging with couples. So in terms of the number of people that I communicate with in the community, and the actual people that I meet, the number of people that I communicate with as potential opportunities to meet up with is not like super high. But, you know, I talk with people on a fairly regular basis, but I only actually meet with a select few of them. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that. Either the communication is just not there or I just cannot get through to them that they need to know what they want first. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
One of my questions was going to be, what was the first realization that you had either that you were bisexual or that you were non-monogamous? But it sounds like from the story that you told about when you met your wife, that you already knew that you were bisexual. So, um, and did you also, you also already knew that you were non-monogamous when you met her. Is that correct? By that time? Yes. I I knew I wasn't straight probably when I was like 12. Like, so that was very conflicting. I didn't know what bi was Mm -hmm. until I was like almost in college. I, I came out to the first person. My, my best friend when I was 16. And then in college is when I came out to everybody 10 years after that. My, my bisexuality was pretty much out in the open by that point when I met my wife. What made me want to explore non-monogamy is coming out as bisexual and, and just in general, my relationships have been pretty poor or at least started off very poor. Uh, I've had girlfriends cheat on me and stuff like that. And I, I had a couple friends who were poly. And I talked to them after one breakup and they're like, well, what, what hurt you the most about it? And it's like, well, she lied to me. She didn't like, just, she just flat out lied to me. It's not not the fact that she was with somebody. Oh Mm -hmm. no, I don't care about that. Like, well, then you're non-monogamous. Why are you in the, (laughs) (laughs) so that kind of opened my eyes to it. Um, And then of course, immediately after I just got right back into another monogamous relationship for a little bit, uh, eventually I decided to sign up for a website to find couples. Mm-hmm. So my whole interest in non-monogamy was almost exclusively based on, I like guys, I like women. Let's do both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that sounds I, good to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would like to say that there was some bigger, more uh, profound epiphany that I had, but no, no, it was just, it was, I wanted that. And then um, I met a couple where I got that immediately and they spoiled everything for years for me. Things with them started exactly the way I wanted. And then their relationship rumbled. It's a fact you have to kind of deal with sometimes um, in this lifestyle. They just didn't have the communication with each other. Mm -hmm. And then they jumped into things really quick. I came in as like their third person Mm -hmm. that they brought into the bedroom. And then just things started going downhill. And when it comes to extramarital engagement with other people for some reason like at least where i live cheating is more acceptable than ethical non-monogamy i I, like i have a friend whose whole relationship with his on and off again girlfriend who he's been with for almost 16 years now is as long as you're not getting caught it's not cheating and i'm just like i have no idea like how how can you do that we'll talk about my growth and stuff like that it's not that you can't do that I mean, that's your own version of of ethical non-monogamy, if that's what you feel like that is. I'm kind of getting off topic here, but, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff where, you know, this uh, start to exploring uh, non-monogamy was just purely based on, you know, that I got it. And then I had to face the reality that I may not get that again. Mm -hmm. And then I started diversifying how I engage with couples, found a lot of interesting ways to do that over the course of that time. Um, so follow-up question to kind of your journey into coming out as bi and then being non-monogamous and then meeting your wife. I know that for me, one of the the big things is like when I look at the what-ifs of if I had come out as bisexual before meeting my husband, I still think like I would have ended up with my husband or with another man instead of with a woman. Like I enjoy relationships with women immensely. And I don't think I could be married to one. So my question for you is, with the guy that you were dating when you met your wife, 
did you ever see yourself as being married to a man and dating women, basically the opposite of what you have now? Or was it always kind of like, I enjoy men, but I want to have a life partner that is a woman? Like, I can't see myself going any other way now, of course. Mm -hmm. But um, at the time, I was totally prepared to to be with a man. That's a little unusual. So it's it's very much like, I I feel like there needs to be another scale to the whole dynamic. You you had mentioned Kinsey. There's Mm -hmm. also like the the client. But uh, one thing that I really want to see is like people need to probably put down what their romantic inclinations are, right? Uh, To go with their sexuality. And so, you know, I'm bi or pansexual and I'm pan romantic as well. So you know, I've had relationships with all kinds of people. And at heart, I think I am monogamous, like in terms of my primary relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do enjoy the thrill of meeting new people and then finding out how things work out in the bedroom and other stuff like that. It's, it's just been something that's always been there as a as a great appealing thing and and i uh, people seem to like me so <laughs> i keep doing it like i said I, I wish there was like some profound reason you know behind it but it's all just about like okay and we'll probably get into buy cycles and all that other stuff over the episodes later it's just about how you feel and if it works out it's great and then things just happen organically and everyone's happy and it's just, I, I don't know how else to describe the situation, but there's nothing better than everyone just being exhausted in a pile. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the failings of the Kinsey scale, but like I've, I've said that to a number of people too, in terms of like, it's only looking at your sexual preference, but there's also the romantic preference in terms of that. And I think there's such a number of combinations that can happen in terms of how you feel somebody about somebody sexually versus how you feel about them romantically and what you want out of the relationship romantically. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely get into that. I'm looking for a guest uh, for Kinsey specifically, like a guest expert for Kinsey specifically. So if anybody listening is that therapist that's well-versed on Kinsey, please reach out to us. <laughs> or or um, like Klein and the, yeah, the or Klein, yeah. between them, right? Yeah, um, totally. Because one of the big problems with Kinsey was also, it was just past history. It, it mm-hmm. had no bearing on how you're seeing yourself go in the future. Yeah, Klein did, but also it had its own issues. Um, and so... You know, we almost need like an AI model to figure out everyone's sexual preference and identity <laughs> at this point. It's always an interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to go back to the wife thing. I know I keep going back to the wife thing, but I just, I'm so interested in how the conversations like kind of unfolded as you guys met and then started dating and then got engaged and got married in terms of was she like, she was aware that you were non monogamous and bisexual, but was she also. Like, was she on board with it right from the beginning? Or was she like, this is not what I expected or like what I anticipated, you know, my dating life or even my marriage to be? Yes. To all would, of it. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was like, to um, which so, for all of it. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, for context, uh, we both started getting on a dating site. I forget which one. Probably OkCupid, I think. We had like seen each other across a bar. Like we have very similar professions. So both our companies always took us to the same place. And so we've seen each other before. And then we saw each other online. And I said, hey, I recognize you. Uh, would you be interested in going to get dinner sometime? In her mind, uh, according to what she's told me, was 
okay, this guy seems very honest, never dated a bisexual guy before. You know what? He's offering to make me dinner and all this other stuff. I'm just going to do it. It's going to be like a a short-term summer fling thing. Mm -hmm. We met and she's like, it's just a summer thing. Are you okay with that? I said, are you okay with me being bisexual and I'm dating another guy? And she said, I'm I'm good good with that. It just, it never ended. So what was supposed to be just a a short-term like agreement between us. The guy ended up getting super jealous of her and breaking up with me and then Mm. complaining to me for the next several months that nobody loves him (laughs) and all this other stuff. And after him, I was like, well, I got communication with this couple. Um, Can I go see them? Are you okay with that? And then I did. And then she thought that was extremely hot. And she started promoting that. And it's like, well, can I meet them? Can we start go out and get dinner together? Can we do this? And it's like that became like the structure for things to follow at that point. A couple of years later, we're like at the pool and do you want to get married? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just like that, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it is so unceremonious. It just made sense. Everything mm-hmm. just kind of just made sense. I, when I talk about my marriage, everyone's like, it always seems like it's perfect. And it's like, no, we have our struggles and other stuff. And we, we have a lot to work through. We're not ex- extreme emotion people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, she she was like, I'm very shocked. It's surprised because you're a guy who's not like 100% in the football. You're not like constantly trying to make yourself look big. You're very caring when you need to be like all this other stuff. I'm like, well, I kind of know how it feels mm-hmm. um, to some extent where, you know, I've had boyfriends before and I've had uh, those relationships even turn towards abuse. And so I know how that could feel. And I, I don't want that on anybody. So it's it's kind of one of those things where it's, she's been in a bunch of different relationships and had problems with all of them. And then she met me and, you know, it just did not turn out the way that she thought. She thought she was just going to have this quick fling and be interesting to be with a bi guy and see how it was like. And then she could tell her friends and stuff like that. And then it just, you know, things just kept going on and on. And we, we got married and moved out of the country and back and had kids and all kinds of stuff. So (laughs) amazing. (laughs) And, you know, I don't know you very well yet, but from what it sounds like, it sounds like you guys have the perfect relationship set up for ethical non-monogamy because you have to be strong communicators. You have to have a strong foundation in your relationship, whether it be marriage or dating relationship or whatever, for any of this to work or else I've seen it like you were talking about with some other couples that you've been with. I've seen it implode because people don't have that strong foundation and are doing it either to save the relationship or for whatever reasons. right? So it sounds like you guys are coming at it from such a healthy place um, in terms of really having had conversations about it and really understanding what the other wants and needs and wanting to provide that for them instead of it coming out of whatever else, you know, whatever toxicity. (laughs) Yeah. And this, this comes from, you know, a long, hard road of figuring out the best way to do things. There was a lot of bad relationships and other stuff before I met my wife. Mm -hmm. Early on, I I decided that I'm always going to tell whoever I'm dating. And so I got really accustomed to outright rejection immediately. Mm. <laughs> so it, it's very interesting. I go into most dates like this is not going to work out. It's fine. We'll have a nice talk and dinner. 
And then, you know, worst case scenario, we go our separate ways. Things work out, then we're, we'll see where it goes. It was really hard to handle rejection when, you know, I was in my early 20s. I, I don't think it was easy for anybody uh, living on your own and then being rejected by other people, but I stuck to it. Um, and so our relationship started very much on the foot where I'm, I'm being completely honest with you. There's no mask. I'm not mm-hmm. hiding who I am. I've learned where I could be, you know, the asshole in the relationship. I know what my, the people's complaints are about me at this point. I'm going to lay it all out there. If you still want to hang out, great. If not, you want to move <laughs> on your way, that's fine too. And I kind of started taking that into, uh, or started taking that into my, uh, into the community as well, where it's like, you know, I'm talking to you and things just aren't working out. It's just like, okay, well, we're going to part ways. Mm-hmm. And me and my wife, she's actually way less uh, restrictive than I am, which is, which is also kind of weird where I'm like, I'm going to vet this person first and I'm going to do this. And it's like, well, why don't you just meet them? I'm like, well, no, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to meet them first and figure out if they're okay. I always meet first. Uh, make sure I'm not being catfished, that mm-hmm. you know, the person's on the up and up, that there's no red flags, et cetera, and then move from there. Um, and that's kind of how, you know, my my approach to ethical non-meeting people in the community has, has worked out so far. Mm-hmm. I think all that you just talked about signals such growth and such maturity. And I would love to know in terms of you've talked about kind of your growth throughout the last 15 years, what are some examples of that? Or what are some things that you see now that you're like, you know what? I'm super proud of like how far I've come and where I am and feeling really confident in things now. Any examples of that? I've already uh, talked about that. My growth in terms of accepting of rejection has been one. The other thing is greater acceptance of other people. I think not like I was a a mean or hateful person towards people. I just had like this idealized view of who I would be with. And anyone outside of that, you know, there's always a, you know, I'm going to swipe, not even look at them. I think over the years, I've kind of grown like in my earlier years, it was like I liked more effeminate men, like more, you know, women who are uh, maybe a little bit more masculine or something else like that, or everyone on those extreme ends. And then over the years, I, I think I've just grown to accept that average people are probably, you know, just fine. And I, <laughs> I, I actually enjoy those relationships like a lot more. I've been in relationships with guys who are like models for magazines and stuff like that. I'm not trying to brag here. Uh, <laughs> they were not good experiences. And there, there's a couple times where I, I've been in those situations where I'm dating above my, my actual class mm-hmm. and. It, they just never turned out very great. And so I've had to have actually have a sit down with myself and be like, okay, well, what do I want versus what do I idealize? And I, I think this could be applied to just about everybody where, you know, you see a lot of ads in the community for people who want these very specific idealized people to meet with them, you know, at some point are online and they're complaining that they never find anybody. It's like, well, you, you're kind of <laughs> gaining yourself off from actual yeah. experience. I, I don't think I've done this as much as a lot of other people, but I do need to make that journey. And I, I've been making that journey. One of my current partners is the exact opposite of what I would normally consider in terms of uh, uh, somebody that I'd be with. And that's fine because in terms of goals, in terms of what we want, everything else like that, we match. 
everything else that is perfect. The people you meet do not have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. They they just need to be people who you could have that experience with that you want, that they want, and things work out. And I think over the years, that's what I've really had to work on is just getting over myself in a way and, yeah. and just accepting that because it's very weird uh, because, you know, pansexual, been with transgendered individuals and everything else. I got people with all different configurations. And for some reason, just with guys, like I have this persistent need to fit guys within this mold. It's weird because I've also dated guys who didn't fit that mold. So it's just weird that in the community, when meeting couples and stuff like that, guy doesn't meet that particular mold it, earlier in my life. Say no, no thanks. But as I've getting, gotten older, I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm I'm fine. Let's see what they actually want versus just rejecting them outright yeah. or, or uh, just handling the situation poorly. Yeah, my husband and I were having a similar conversation a couple of days ago because I was talking about the fact that there have been times when if I had just like looked at the person's profile or something like that, looked at the couple's profile, I would have been like, no, they're not for us or no, they're not for me. But we've been at a party together or something and I've gotten the chance to talk to them and get to know them as people. And then all of a sudden they become way more attractive. We see people first. So we're making some inferences with just our eyes in terms of, am I attracted to this person? So yeah, my husband was saying like, maybe the question needs to become like, could I see myself potentially being attracted to that person? And then if the answer is yes, at least continuing the conversation or or starting a conversation, I see exactly what you mean. Because I feel like I do that sometimes as well. Yeah. And I've also been very um, hung up on on age range, too. Mm -hmm. I was like, I I don't want anybody who's outside of like seven years or like 10 years. Or when I was going through that, I'm buying them out. I'm going crazy phase. And I just want to try everything. That that didn't bother me. So Mm -hmm. then to uh, like regress into like, okay, you need to fit with them. And I'm not talking about mostly younger, but, you know, Mm -hmm. older individuals as well. So like couples who are like, you know, in their 50s and stuff like that. So it's like, talk to them first, figure out where they're at, what they look like, all this other stuff, and, and maybe things could work out. So I mean, it's not just just looks, it's like age, size, mm-hmm. whatever you want to, constraints you want to put on things. It's like, there's people who could still work well and have that good relationship with you. And you don't need to have such tight restraints on, on what that needs to be, right? Mm-hmm. It's very weird because for everybody else, I don't have those restraints. But then with men, I had like that very restrictive restraint on on the whole experience and just getting over that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are close to wrapping up, but I've got a couple more questions for you. Yeah. Just I would love to know what you are optimistic about for the ethical non-monogamy community. What do you see as having been, I guess, their growth since you have become part of the community and what you see as, oh, okay, this is headed in the right direction. This is good. I haven't seen necessarily acceptance, but I have seen more profiles where the the male is actually posted as bisexual. On Reddit, there's actually like a whole community around guys who are coming out to their wives and partners about it. I, I think that growth is great. I don't know if the community has embraced it yet. Like, you know, you have to have that wave of, of people coming out and, and, you know, being upfront about it. Uh, before that acceptance rolls in. So uh, I'm optimistic that it will eventually come around. It's one of those things where it's great to see and 
I'm I'm excited for it. There's optimism, but it's hesitant still. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I like I like what's happening. It's just uh, I've had so many experiences with bi guys or guys who are like, oh, I'm bisexual because I watch porn. That doesn't translate to an actual experience. And right. so I do see a lot that are genuine in that regard. And then I do still see those ones that are like, I question this. I'm overall optimistic about the whole experience. I, I think that the more that guys do that, considering that in the lifestyle, a huge number of guys are actually heteroflexible or bi. And, but it's kind of kept behind the scenes. The more that happens, the more there's going to be a, a more acceptance in the community about men actually being bisexual. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's beneficial to everybody. And it's not just those who are interested in bisexual males, but those who are also opposed to it. And that's their choice. But knowing that a guy is bisexual helps them make their decisions easier. I always hear those horror stories of guys who get too handsy at parties and stuff like that. Almost always, it's not a guy who has labeled himself bisexual. It's always somebody who is just going off the reservation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think that the overall better acceptance is is always an optimistic thing. And one more question: What do yeah. you see as an area for continued growth in the E and M community? I think we can both say that, like. The acceptance is also, we're excited about it, but it's also still an area for growth. So other yeah. than acceptance, is there another well, is there another thing? Other than acceptance and, and communication, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people need to be able to process rejection a little mm-hmm. better. I, I'm as guilty as anyone else on ghosting somebody who just wasn't keeping my interest or life got in the way of the communication from continuing. I don't think I would feel the need to just end communications if... I felt like most of my communications were more on a more accepting terms. Oh, things aren't working out because of X, Y, and Z. Okay, we're going to go talk to somebody else now and have a great time. You know, <laughs> conversations were more like that. Uh, it's too often where like, if you don't respond within a certain time frame or you don't match them, people expect you to try and change yourself to fit within their expectations. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, then that's a rejection of who they are. And how dare you? And I, I think it's gotten a little better, but I, I still think there's there's room for improvement there. Where yeah. every you know, if it was just easier to engage people and disengage from people, the whole process would just be smoother for everyone. Yeah, I've started to see a lot more profiles that explain why people take longer. Like for example, recently there was a profile that was like, "We have small kids," and so we have only very small pockets of time in which we can communicate and everything, you know, or we get a lot of messages. So please allow us time to respond or something. And for me, that's helpful because I'm a person that immediately is like, they don't like me or they're not responding because they hate me, you know, and really there's probably 10,000 other things that are happening in their lives. But immediately we, or I often feel that it's got something to do with me. So I do like when people are very clear about the communication expectations, even from the beginning of their profile. Yeah. Well, I mean, the another thing that could change is if people actually reading profiles. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or writing them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, because I, I, like, I have all that stuff listed out on mine and uh, people still just like completely trounce all over that. That could also be improved. we're going to need a whole episode on like reading profiles and also like writing profiles because 
I am really tired of being like, oh, this person's cute. Let me go see what they're about. And then they've written nothing. And I'm like, I have no idea what they want, who they are, you know, any of those things. So I, I, I got a, I got a message uh, in that big packet of messages where it's like, oh, we're, we're read your profile. We're perfect for each other. And I go read the profile and it bold letter says to exclude me. And I'm like, okay, did they read my profile? Because it's like, they said, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, no, no, they didn't. Yeah, I, I like it when people over-explain. I know it's not ideal for everyone to read the entire profile if it goes too long. But if you're interested in somebody, you will make the effort, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think people also need to put a nice summary header. Yes. Like, this is who I am. <laughs> and if you're interested, continue reading and you can find out more. Yes. Um, that kind of thing. Putting an episode together around that would probably be helpful. Yeah. I, I just think that... Uh, a well-composed profile is not always the optimal profile mm-hmm. for, for people. Like when I was younger, I, I said, I'm literally looking for this one thing with couples. And then I got exactly what I wanted. It was like optimal, right? It's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. But also, I don't have the time anymore. So I do have to kind of explain. I'm not going to be able to respond right away. I only check every three days, that kind of stuff. And I feel like, uh, yeah, you got to do some of that stuff. Over-explaining. Yeah. When you don't have the time is kind of an oxymoron though, but, (laughs) (laughs) but then you do it like you write the profile once and then you don't have to repeat yourself ad nauseum either. So that is also helpful. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, I I do, I do appreciate couples that are like, you're interested in us. Here's our legal text. Bam. It's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) There we go. I know where you are with everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, awesome. Besides this amazing episode that we're going to put together about profiles, what else are you excited to talk about on upcoming episodes of the podcast? I'm mostly looking forward to guest speakers. I, mm-hmm. I feel like it just broadening my horizons in terms of understanding. I, I have to admit, I'm not great on understanding poly relationships, mm-hmm. uh, for one. Like my current dynamic is with other couples is such a friendly level that one of the couples actually invite to barbecues and they hang out with our family and all this other stuff. And, you know, my wife's friends with them, like totally not a swinger situation. It's not poly, but it's not swinging. So like, where, where's that line drawn exactly? Yeah. Um, so a better understanding about that kind of stuff. And just reading over the questions leading up to this uh, conversation, I, I came up with dozens of potential ideas. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to them and uh, find ways to spin off episodes off of other episodes and and branch out. Um, so I'm excited about this just because I feel like there's a lot of potential for episode content and uh, to discuss things that are kind of outside what is the normal conversation I have with yeah. with, uh, with individuals. So yeah, I'm really thank excited you. For this I'm excited too, and I'm and thank so you glad for that this together. Yeah, I. And we'll, we're going to do an episode all about me and my journey the next episode. But I just wanted, you know, our audience to get to know you and get to know us a little bit more as we, as we get started. And I appreciate you being honest and open. And, um, I think that will help with the, you know, future conversations that we have. So thank you for that. Oh, no problem. Thanks for listening. Make sure to head to swingonbuy.com for additional resources and to shop our online store of buy and E&M friendly merchandise. 
Your support of the shop helps us continue to produce this podcast. Also, please like, subscribe, and leave a review of the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, check out our guest inquiry form at swingonby.com forward slash guest. That's swingonby, buy with an I, dot com forward slash G-U-E-S-T. Until next time.